Now the sermon topic today is we are going to talk about, and, and we like to call it uh, the discipline or the live like Jesus examples that we've been going through. And uh, wanted to be able to kind of give you a bit of the basis. And you can imagine in 20 minutes I don't have a lot of time to give you a real experience what an exploding explanation of what and why we do baptism the way we do. I, I remember reading years ago that when a person has publicly made a commitment or a stand, they are more likely to follow through with what they have said they're going to do. And uh, it's a tough thing to stand up and publicly say, you know, I am part of this company, or I am part of this province, or I'm a part of this country. But when people stand up and make a commitment publicly, all the research says they probably are going to follow through. Now, some of the cults actually know this, and so they will teach people in their ways that are not quite following after what Jesus teaches, and they do a lot of public confession for them, like where they, they get them to get up and say something publicly, I'm a part of this group and here's why. And all the researchers that try to rescue people from cults will say until they get to the point where they publicly stand up, there is a chance to reach them. But once people do that, it takes you to a whole new level. And I don't say that to say, oh, we should never do something publicly. But I say that to say the power of standing up publicly is really huge. And I believe God knows it is, and he reserves these huge decisions for special things. Now, I know the facts, and people say when they ask them, what is your greatest fear? Number one is speaking in public, being in public, getting baptized in public. Uh, being standing out in public, people noticing who you are in public, uh, being recognized in public, all that kind of stuff. When I turned 40, the church I was in did a, a roast and they brought me in in a wheelchair. I hated it. And you go, well, aren't you up in the front all the time? Yeah, but it's not generally on me. I'm talking about Jesus and I'm bringing glory to him. But when people talk just about me, I'm like you. I don't like it. And so I want to say to you this morning that I am convinced baptism is very significant and important to the followers of Jesus Christ. So let's jump right in, and I want to answer a question. First question I want to answer is, what is baptism? Generally, uh, the word baptism, generally the ba word baptism, it comes from a Greek word called, well, the Greek word is, and you'll never hear me do this, I don't like to pretend that I'm smarter than you because I'm not, but the Greek word for baptize or baptism is baptizo. Now there is another word in the Greek language of the era of the New Testament that was just baptize. Now the two are very distinct and in the same way in English, you go baptizo, baptize. In English, where you, when you add things onto infixes, prefixes, suffixes, you know, you add an ed to a word or you add a, uh, you know, you have a word like move and then you put the word remove, it kind of changes the meaning of the word. In the Greek, it's no different. And so uh, just to understand all that, 
Back 2,000 years ago, it was actually about 200 BC, there was a Greek poet, and this guy wrote this down, and a physician, his name was Nicander, who lived about 200 BC. Uh, and he wrote out this recipe for pickles. And you'll get why I'm bringing this up in a moment. Uh, and this recipe for pickles is helpful because it uses both those words in the New Testament. You're wondering, why are you getting there? You'll, you'll follow with me. And uh, as he uses these words, Nicander says that in order to make a pickle, the vegetable should first be dipped or bapto or baptized, not, not baptizo, but baptize. Uh, and it literally means to just clean it, wash it off. And uh, in this case, you're supposed to put it in boiling water. And then, after that was done, you were supposed to baptize or baptizo or immerse fully into a jar to turn it into pickles and the vinegar solution. Both verbs concern the immersing of vegetables in a solution, but the first one is temporary. The second, the act of baptizing the vegetable, produces a permanent change. And when used in the New Testament, this word more often refers to our union and identification with Christ than to our water baptism. So both words are used in the New Testament, but one kind of has a, a kind of a cleansing, washing, we're part of Christ kind of thing, and the other one literally means we are in or of and, and a follower of Jesus Christ. Now the examples in the New Testament were a mansion's baptism, all of the all of the times it describes baptism, all the theologies that it ever writes, it always uses the word baptizo. And I mean, bap now I'm getting myself all mixed up, see? Come on, correct me. Not the word baptizo, the word, now I'm getting, I am absolutely, look at your notes, Anthony, come on. Where did my word go? Right, baptizo is the right word. Okay, I got it right. And bapto is the other word. See, when you don't know a language, to the people in Greek, that makes perfect sense to me. But bapto is, is not the word that ever is referred to. It's always baptizo. It is always a sense of completely immersing under. It, it is a word of dunking. The Greek poet and physician, I think, really clearly explained that. Now, as we move into the scriptures, Answering the question, what is baptism? If you come to Acts chapter 8, verse 36, I just want to read this. As they traveled along the road, now Jesus had, uh, not Jesus, but uh, uh, Philip had been carried along, and uh, he met this guy who was on his way to Egypt. He was an Ethiopian eunuch, and uh, Philip joined him in his chariot, and they began to talk. And through the process of reading some Old Testament scripture, by the way, this Ethiopia eunuch receives Jesus. He becomes a Christian. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And then we pick up this story, and as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And uh, some would argue in the Greek, there's really a sense of a lot of water in this original Greek word. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, you go, well, how in the world would this guy have figured this out? Now, baptism actually was used by all sorts of different religious groups back then, and the Jews actually used baptism too. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Now, this word here is baptizo. 
completely dunk. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Lots of water. They're into the water. And Philip baptized him, dunked him in. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Now again, I want to say, why do we fully dunk people? It's because of the examples over and over in the book of Acts that we see that use this word baptizo and all of the examples we see them going completely into the water. And uh, it is not just a dip or a slightly wash or a sprinkle. This is an actual pouring, like an actual dipping in. Uh, you may think then, understanding all this, I want to answer a second question. Why should we get baptized as followers of Christ? Uh, hopefully my opening thoughts about baptism and publicly declaring Jesus are good enough, but the reason we get baptized, I'm going to give you a few reasons, but the first reason is Jesus commanded it. Jesus commanded it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. You guys all know this great commission verse. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So what is making a disciple? They pray and receive Christ, and then you teach them everything. And then it goes on to say, Baptizo, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? We're supposed to go and make disciples and baptize them. Now that's a, a command sort of to me as a leader in the church, but secondarily, what is it saying to you as a follower of Christ? If I'm supposed to baptize people, there needs to be people to be baptized. I would call that a command. In fact, if you read into verse uh, 20, it goes on to say, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Friends, it's an act of obedience. I mean, when Jesus, when you prayed to receive Jesus, you repented of your sins. You said, Jesus, I know you're my savior. I know you died on the cross. And then you get to this baptism part, and again, I know you'd rather die than be in public, and we don't even make you speak in public anymore, other than the little, why are you getting baptized? But that's pretty simple. It's not that threatening, but unbelievably so, when you stand up and declare Jesus, it's powerful in your soul. Now, third reason why we should get baptized is Jesus himself was baptized, Jesus' baptism was an example. Now Jesus, if, if you don't know, when John the Baptist came along, he began to baptize people and he called it a baptism of repentance. And baptism for years has always been seen as that. It, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that saves you, it's, a, it's a, uh, an illustration of what you've already done. It's an example of what you've already done. Now Jesus didn't need to get baptized, but he chose to do it. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, listen to this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need you to be baptized, to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. 
Now Jesus himself was all the righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This would be uh, probably the best declaration publicly of Jesus' intention to be submissive to the Father. He was equal with the Father, Philippians 2 says that, but he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he humbled himself, even to death on a cross. This is an incredible thing about Jesus. So number three, why do we get baptized? Because Jesus did it. If we want to be like Jesus, and Apostle Paul says, uh, follow me as I follow Christ, follow my example as I follow Christ's example, Jesus got baptized, so for goodness sake, shouldn't we? We want to be like Jesus. Fourthly, why do you get baptized? The Bible shows lots of examples of baptism. Acts 2.37, Acts 8.5, Acts 8.36, Acts 9.17, Acts 10.47. And then there's five more, but I won't bore you with them all. And an interesting fact, it was they believed and were baptized. They believed and were baptized. So, We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the fifth reason why we should get baptized, uh, baptism is a public declaration you're a Christian. I've talked extensively about that, but listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my heavenly Father. Generally speaking, people don't do baptism unless they're getting really serious unless they're saying, I am going to follow Jesus. When I was 17 years old, I was out at, Bear, out at uh, uh, Camp Segatawa, out at Lake Segatawa, uh, and uh, I, I was just, I had been going to church for about a year and a half, so I was really new into everything. I had been baptized at this point, but I got baptized again, and let me tell you the story. Uh, the director on the weekend, it was a youth camp, said if anybody stays out past the curfew, and I don't remember, it was 11 or 12, I don't remember, and uh, he said if you stay out past the curfew, I'm gonna get the whole group to throw you in the lake the next day. Now, this was May, the water was cold, the ice had just come off, and uh, I don't know if you've kind of figured it out, but I was a little bit rebellious back in my teen years, and I didn't listen, and I stayed up past curfew, now, if I recollect, in my justifying mind, I think I was sharing Jesus with somebody. I really do. I think it was a good reason. But uh, needless to say, I stayed up past curfew. The next day at about 12, a gang of people came to find me. And I knew exactly what they were going to do. I knew I had broken the rule. And I knew I was about to receive punishment. And I looked at them all and I said, if you throw me in the water... If you humiliate me like this, I'm going to walk home. I had come with somebody else, so I didn't have my own car. And uh, so they all laughed. They grabbed me. They threw me in the lake. That public declaration of my sin, uh, I didn't like it so much. I mean, I wished it was rather getting publicly baptized, something that was positive. And if you know my stubbornness, if I feel falsely accused, I got up out of the water, plenty of water, and I was baptized, let me tell you, I went right under, and I started to walk home soaking wet. And I actually walked about four or five miles 
That'd be about eight or 10 kilometers. And one of my good friends finally found me and he walked along with me and he convinced me to go back. And that was tough. Why was it tough? Because publicly, I had been revealed as something. And I want to say to you, baptism's a positive, great thing. It says, I'm a follower of Jesus. Wouldn't you rather be scorned and spit upon and hated because you've done the right thing instead of in my case? I understand about this whole public stuff going on. Number three, I got to get moving here. Uh, Baptism, it really is a symbolic picture of our conversion experience. And I would argue until you've actually gone under the water and come up in the water, and and especially if if you would have heard, I was asking him, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And Mr. Lowry said, yeah, years ago. And I said, well, that's all upon your confession of faith and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now listen to Romans 6.4 as it describes baptism. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we we too may live a new life. Now, when you go in the water, this text is saying, you are going into the grave with Jesus. It really helps our subjective minds, our, our minds that think abstractly. It helps us to think in concrete terms. I have gone down under the water. I've died to myself, and I've come up resurrected like Jesus. I now have the Jesus life, and I will again argue publicly declaring and going under the water is really important for your emotional state for your walk with Jesus. I mean, the obedience of it alone should change everything that that you do. So fourthly and finally, and I'm trying to rush through all this, who should get baptized? Now here comes some of what I said I would get to. Uh, I would argue, and this is, I prayed so hard that you would see this as an invitation and not as a condemnation. There are other traditions that see baptism a little differently. And I am not standing here trying to condemn you. I want to explain why we do it the way we do. But number one, who should get baptized, I would argue, should be born-again Christians. People who have said, I follow Jesus all through the book of Acts, all those ten verses that I listed off five, but all ten verses they believed and they were baptized. Now, some that want to baptize at a much younger age will say, well, yeah, but that's because they were all brand new Christians. Well, the book of Acts actually happened quite a bit after um, Jesus had died, and it it goes on for a few years. And I would say, well, that's kind of a bit of an argument of silence, but, you know, go ahead. And, And I will say that there are a couple of verses in the Bible. One, one where Paul talks about baptism being like the old covenant, where, where in the old covenant they circumcised, and baptism is now a circumcision of the heart. And, and it's, it's sort of similar to that. So, so people go, see, Paul talked about the old covenant. So this is just like the old covenant. So we can baptize, because circumcision was done to, what, a eight, ten-year-old, ten-day-old babies, whatever it was. But if you follow that argument straight through and say, okay, let's do everything like understanding it's a covenant thing, then it should only be men. 
that get baptized, and you have to be born into it. And the only way you could become Jewish was being born Jewish. Uh, you, there were some other things you could do to be almost like a Jew and in good standing, kind of treated like a Jew a bit, but the only way you could be a Jew, and so I would argue you can't take that argument all the way. And then there is another passage that talks about the sprinkling of the blood in the throne, and people will say, see, that's why we sprinkle. But again, the actual word, baptizo, means to immerse, to dunk. And I would argue it's really hard to baptize to dunk newborn babies. I suppose we could do it, hold their mouths. That would be terrifying. Oh, I would hate to do that as a pastor. But I would just argue, in Scripture it says, and especially when you look of the weight of Scripture, when you look at all the times Scripture mentions baptism at any time, you know, uh, some would say, well, whole households were baptized. It never says babies. We just saw a whole household get baptized. That's not unusual. There was no baby being baptized there. And to say that, well, whole households were baptized in the Bible, so then we should baptize our little kids just like the Old Testament, they circumcise. I go, no, 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 hold the bus here. You're kind of taking arguments that aren't there and saying things the scriptures don't say. And, and I would again say, this is why we do what we do. This is why we say, you need to be born again. You need to have received Jesus. And as you look at the Bible, I think you come to the conclusion that maybe babies could be baptized, but I would argue the weight of Scripture leans away from that. And I would say that it's believers that should get baptized first. Secondly, who should get baptized? I think uh, they need to be old enough to be born again. And uh, my daughter, Shaylin, who was leading worship, she's going through licensing accreditation with the Alliance right now, her and her husband, looking at going to the mission field. And so she had me read over, you have to write out this big doctrinal questionnaire thing, and she had me read it over. So uh, Shaylin, I could tell she was just oozing with Bible verses this morning because you've been working so hard on that. Uh, so Shaylin just had to wrestle through some of this stuff. And, and I know that there are some people think that it's old okay, but I believe you have to be old enough to, so Shay and I last night got into a little bit of a discussion, it wasn't an argument, about so when can people truly pray to receive Jesus? And you know, what often happens is we start arguing from a point of view of psychology and sociology. It is Jesus who draws people, and I believe Jesus can give. Shaylin prayed to receive Jesus at three, and she said it was significant to her. And if you don't know the argument, it's like, well, she couldn't think abstractly, and salvation is an abstract thought. She could only think in concrete terms. When you say Jesus lives in her heart, she literally thinks there's a little Jesus in her heart. You know, that's the way a three-year-old thinks, so they really can't pray to receive Jesus. And I go, eh. I, I, I have seen younger children have more emotional, intellectual coming of faith than some of the adults have led to Jesus. And, and so, so then Shailen followed up the question and said, well, how young should people get baptized? And I'm sure she's thinking of her kids. She's got one who's five and one who's four. And I said, well, let's get into that abstract article argument now again. And I say, I don't like to rush kids. But I would argue that in Scripture what you see, and, it, and I went through this with the elders a few years ago. That's why we do spontaneous baptisms. We have taken baptism and turned it into a 
a uh, stepping stone. You have to get discipled for a year or two. and Then you have to go through, uh, I used to teach, uh, I think, seven classes on baptism. And then I would baptize people. And the more I looked at scripture, I went, they believed and were baptized. The, the Ethiopian eunuch, he just prayed to receive Jesus. He said, there's lots of water. So what did they do? He got baptized. And uh, anyway, won't go into that argument too much. So let me ask you a question. Why didn't I want to be thrown in the lake? At Camp Segatau, why didn't I want to be thrown in the lake? The exact same reason a lot of people don't want to get baptized. The exact same reason a lot of people, sometimes it literally is, I don't know if I want to publicly declare my faith in Jesus. And that might burn a little bit, but that's why some of us don't. And uh, it's amazing. I, I love doing weddings, and I know a lot of people that don't like standing up here, but you know what motivates them to stand up here and do the wedding? Especially guys who are introverted, because they love that woman so much, they'll do whatever it takes to spend the rest of their life. Do you love Jesus like that? Again, Matthew 10.32 says, says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And I know most would rather die before standing in front of a crowd of people, but may I ask you if you haven't been baptized to be courageous? You know, we've had a number of people in this church. I'm in my 13th year here now, so we've baptized a few. I, I believe it's a couple of hundred people we've baptized in those years. And I, a couple of people, I remember there was a guy in his 70s, and he came up here, and he had been a, he'd been a Bible teacher in our church. And he stood up and he said, I believe I need to get baptized. And then we had another guy who, who had been baptized even as an adult, but as he thought about it when he got baptized, he wasn't a believer yet. He did it because he had to do it to get married, and he wanted to get married. He did it for the love of his wife, I guess. But when he started thinking about it, he came to a faith in Jesus a number of years later. I think it was about 10 years later. And he asked me, so what do you think? And I said, well, I think, you know, I'm not meaning to run down your baptism that you did, but I think you need to get baptized as a believer, as a follower of Christ. And let me tell you the consequences it had on him. For years, he had family that wouldn't talk to him. Because in essence, what he did, whether you've been baptized as a baby or otherwise, you, you are kind of throwing cold water or spitting on your family tradition, and I get that. And I think there's reasons why Jesus taught things like, Jesus, by the way, does believe in family and honoring father and mother, but Jesus also did warn, you know, remember the guy that he wanted to go bury his father, and Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead? I mean, we gotta be careful who are we obeying? Are we obeying the Father, the Heavenly Father? Are we being like Jesus, getting baptized, dunked right down? Are we worried about our fears of standing in public? Are we worried about what some family members might think? I mean, it is a public declaration. We just saw it. And we actually, I don't know if first service was online live because we just started doing them, but I think it was. So it's out there for the world to see. But let me just ask you, and, and even let me just declare to you, obedience to God is never a bad thing. 
How many went through a set-free weekend through either in Southland or here at our church that are here? And, and now you're, you're going to, was it awful? Just looking at you. You know, the biggest thing that happens on a set-free weekend, it's obedience to God. And I don't know anybody. I remember, I've told this story, one lady that I took through a very similar process to Set Free. In fact, Set Free uses the material that Neil Anderson uses. And I phoned her up the next day and said, how do you feel after that three hours of obedience, that, that repenting, confessing, and receiving? And, and I've told this story for her, but I want to say to you, she said to me, I heard birds for the first time in my life. She was in such turmoil, she couldn't even hear birds. And I just want to tell you, uh, Jesus isn't condemning you, he's inviting you. And if you aren't a follower of Jesus Christ, just, just I, I implore you, I beg you, he's inviting you. If you haven't been baptized, again, this isn't condemnation, I, I just want to say, he's inviting you to be baptized. And let me ask you, have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. And I know even as I met with the prayer team this morning, the first thing we did is we, we took a proper posture. We humbled ourselves and we said, you're God and we're not. And we understand that you are love and you care deeply for us. And you have created us to be, uh, to do good works, actually. Uh, to do things that just bless others. Uh, to bring goodness into this world of evil. This world of politics, this world of hate. And you've called us to be children of the light. To, to love our brother. To, to love our enemies. And I just pray, Heavenly Father, that that beautiful reconciliation that you did Jesus Christ on the cross where, where you took the punishment of my sins. Even though you didn't deserve death, you took it. You went, you went before the, the shearers like a lamb. Uh, you went and you were slaughtered just like the lamb and, and your blood was spilt so that I could have forgiveness of sins, so that I could have life and have it to the full, so I could survive in this broken world that's so full of sin, so full of anger, so full of hate. Oh, Jesus, would you fill us? If somebody here isn't a follower of Jesus, may they receive you now. And if somebody here just is starting to feel, yeah, I, I need to be obedient, I need to be like Jesus, I, I need to be publicly declared as a follower of Christ, oh God, may they respond in kind. Holy Spirit, just give them the strength to do the right thing. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the symbolism of going into the water, dying to self, going into the water, being in death with Jesus, coming up out of the water, being resurrected in that beautiful power of the resurrection. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray these things. Amen. Please stand with me. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says it so well. May God himself, the God of peace, may he, now that act of obedience being like Jesus, it isn't to earn our salvation, may he sanctify you 
through and through. Uh, when we do good works, it's flowing from the inside. It's not an external thing that we do to make ourselves good. We are good, so we do good things. May he sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen?